just how criminal was United's victory at the Emirates? Well, there is a, a, a school of thought, which is totally understandable, that that was a massive robbery. But the flip side of that is Arsenal... I mean, my goodness gracious me. So basically, United soaked up the pressure via the medium of putting all their players in the box and David De Gea, David De Gea being brilliant, and then hit them on the break, uh, acting like it was 2009 all over again. Well, yeah, it was very reminiscent of that Champions League semi-final, wasn't it? Well, at least the second half was. The first half. (laughs) I'm not sure if omni-shambles is the right word for United's tactics, because that would suggest that there was a plan in the first place. I mean... Explain to me the thought process behind that back three, which was utterly, utterly, utterly ridiculous for about half an hour all over the place. How did Arsenal not score? I mean, De Gea and Arsenal, that's the the only explanation really. And the fact that they, uh, Danny Welbeck <laughs> tried to do a Dennis Law because he's got, you see, he seeped in United culture, that boy, like we've always said. Not able to do it though because... Lol. Yeah, good back heel, uh, corner flag was in danger. <laughs> um, it was so weird that first half, wasn't it? Like, even by the end of that, though, we could have been 1 0 up. Like, uh, there was a period, Di Maria sort of changed the game a bit when he did this properly electrifying run out wide on the right. And after that, United sort of woke up a bit and they were like, oh, yeah, wait a minute, we, we can play football also and changed their level of performance and had a good spell for five minutes. But <laughs> That was literally it. We haven't even talked about the fact that Luke Shaw is injured, having turned his ankle. Like, he was a doubt to play, then he played, then he turned his ankle. It's really, really unfortunate, that one. Mm. Let, let's get on to the, the, uh, the downsides later. That, that's probably the only downside, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. You know, I haven't, I haven't enjoyed a United victory over Arsenal that much since the 8-2. I think it was almost <laughs> as funny. I'm sure Wenger is absolutely steaming. He must have seen that. United back three, back five, whatever you want to call it. It was definitely back five by the end. If Arsenal don't score at least three against this mob, uh, I need to retire. Absolutely. I mean, the you asked what Van Gaal was thinking with the back three, and I was I came in two minutes after kickoff, and I suddenly worked out after about another 30 seconds that we were playing a back three and did a horrible double take because it looked exactly every inch the back three that characterised our season before we switched to the back four just absolutely appalling and not knowing what they're doing when it comes to getting the ball out of defence. Actually, it's pretty clear that the plan was just soak up Arsenal pressure. I mean, uh, Rooney said so in his post-match interview. He said, you know, play three at the back, really deep, soak up pressure and hit them on the counter-attack. Can't argue in the end with results. You can argue that we pushed our luck and I, I can't help but wondering what kind of game we'd have given them. I mean, it's, you know, it's brilliant that we've got the win and it's hilarious, of course, as well. But I can't help wondering what kind of game we would have given them with a, a diamond midfield with Herrera on the right and Di Maria on the left, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, it, it was Holland in the World Cup. Absolutely the tactics. And and this is Van Gaal in crisis mode. So, so many defenders out. He's just trying to get through a game. And, and that was exactly it. But it was, uh, it was a complete shambles in the first half. And you have to feel very lucky to get away with it. But second half, you know, all praise, right? Kept kept uh, very compact, uh, five strung out there, you know, kept it very narrow. Rooney, uh, Di Maria, 
Fellaini, Carrick all sitting in front and then trying to break. And yeah, in the last 20 minutes, it broke very successfully, of course. But uh, So, of course, absolutely understand where he's coming from. Uh, somehow, the translation of whatever they'd planned during the week didn't, didn't work out in the first half. He sorted it at half-time, though, because United were... Yeah, much, much safer at the back. And in the end, it's funny because Arsenal had so much of the possession. They had so many shots and United didn't have a shot on target, as I said in the intro, until well into the game. Uh, ended up with two. There was that Fellaini shot right at the end. Two shots on target for the whole game. Uh, yeah, 1-0 up for a long time with uh, with no shots on target, which was pretty impressive. Uh, that would have been a, 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 a pub quiz question, wouldn't it? But uh, So, you know, it's it's very amusing. But uh, And, and you know, you've got a victory and into the top four. Still haven't played that well this season. You're just waiting for it to all kick off. There's definitely positives to take out of that game because that is an absolutely massive victory. Imagine if we'd played like that lost and we're now six points behind Arsenal or whatever it is as it is we're in the blooming top four it's incredible considering how poorly we've played but there were also genuine positives within the performance yeah it's kind of easy to be blinded by how shocking the first half was but if you took the second half in isolation there was some brilliant performance I think Wayne Rooney was outstanding in the second half of that game. I thought that was a captain's performance. He took his one-on-one absolutely brilliantly. He worked tirelessly, but in a really intelligent way. He kept his head very, very admirably, did a lot of really efficient dealing with uh, situations when there were flashpoints. So, you know, that's... That's quite something. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, probably Rooney's best performance of the season. Definitely. Just, just yeah. one comedy moment when Dima is on the break and Rooney basically robs the ball off him and slows everything down, which was just a little bit odd. But no, excellent performance from Rooney. Actually, um, uh, aside from De Gea, of course, was outstanding, but he, he always is. Uh, the three best players for United were the, the three that uh, we've probably ridiculed the most in recent times, Rooney, Fellaini and Smalling. Yeah. Uh, so credit credit where it's due, right? I mean, Smalling at last ditch tackle in the second half, outstanding on Danny Welbeck. And I, I think all three of them were very good. Yeah. And actually, maybe even fourth spot going to Ashley Young uh, to just complete the uh, rank cast ridicule league. I thought he, he did really well, actually. He came on to replace Luke Shaw in his favoured left left wing back position. Not having that. No, no, no I, I don't care. Whatever whatever Young does, I feel like sticking the gun to my head. Oh, he was, I, I mean, feels really harsh to me. I thought he, he played excellently and deserved some credit. Di Maria had some brilliant flashes and, you know, he really did play the Robin role, not in the number 10 sense, but in the uh, supplementary striker sense. I mean, there were times when we were playing with three up front, with Rooney behind Di Maria and uh, Van Persie and times when we were playing three up front with one of them through the middle and Van Persie and Di Maria on either flank with Rooney through the middle. If if you ever needed to underline the fact that Van Hull does not think Rooney is a number nine, it's that, right? Yeah. Pushing Di Maria f- uh, ahead of him. And, and look, he had a very good game, Di Maria. I don't think he's uh, as effective in 
in that role at all, but it was just part of the tactical system today. I, I can't imagine he's going to play right up top too often this no. season, but but he did all right. Yeah, and you know, of course, he missed a really cracking chance, and then yeah. when Giroud scored, that that was nervous. But as somebody uh, pointed out on Twitter, that had to happen because it's part of the Arsenal narrative. Um, uh, but yeah, that was it was a shame. But it would have been even funnier if we'd won that game three 0 But you know, two one's funny enough. We can't we can't be too greedy. I thought that Blackett and McNair both did very well under very difficult circumstances. Blackett's distribution was all over the place, which was problematic. I thought Carrick actually did quite well in the second half. I thought he had a pretty poor first half, but he he was very effective in the second half, certainly made a a number of key interceptions, as you would imagine. And Fellaini, yeah, I mean, his performance, you said on last week's show, quite rightly, this was the type of game that causes him a lot of problems, the ball moving quickly around him in midfield, and that was very much the case in the first half. But in the second half, he was everywhere. He was a genuine physical presence in United's midfield. He was, yeah. I mean, he was very dynamic. He was... Pushing forward, uh, passing was good. Uh, he even felt like he was quick at times, which, you know, is a bit odd. But yeah, very, very good game from him, especially in the second half. Many United players as such. Well, one player who didn't have a good game, not even nearly, was Robin Van Persie. And, uh, it, I mean, talk about a pattern. I think at one point I tweeted that the penalty spot had more movement, which is very true. He's so static. There's something not right. Yeah, I mean, at the moment, there's really nothing right. Uh, no attempts on goal. Um, it's just like a big list of zeros. Uh, two out of his three attempted passes were successful for a pass completion of 67%. That's two out of his three attempted passes. He received the ball five times in that game. And that's not because his teammates weren't finding him. That's because he was nowhere to be found. There's a little mitigation in the fact that he was playing wide right for some of the game, but nowhere near enough mitigation for that kind of performance. And there was talk this week, there was a bunch of newspaper articles doing the rounds saying that Van Persie has got a £10 million loyalty bonus in his contract if he reaches the end of it and because of that United are definitely planning to sell him in the summer and I can't imagine at the moment that anybody is particularly upset about the prospect of Van Persie going thanks for that 20th title Robin it was absolutely amazing I've very much enjoyed you at United and I'll always remember you fondly but cheerio old chap unless you can find some form exactly exactly when's the last time Robin Van Persie had a good game for United it wasn't last season, was it? Maybe the narrative has caught up with me, but I don't remember one last season. Definitely not this season. Olympiakos, uh, he scored a hat-trick at home against Olympiakos. And he was still terrible. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Before that, his last good game, I think the last genuinely really good game from Van Persie was that Aston Villa game where we won the league. Nice, 18 months ago. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's worrying. I mean, right now, you, you sell Van Persie for not very much if that £10 million clause thing is true, and uh, just take the hit because uh, that would certainly make him a very expensive purchase, wouldn't it? One season wonder or what? Yeah, uh, you can't put a price on the fact that Fergie won the league in his last season. No, it's like this is my, my rationale about this. Berbatov was worth £30 million because of that hat-trick against Liverpool. £10 million a goal. Um, and then we're also like, maybe, maybe we also include that time he scored that goal against Blackburn. Do you remember the one where he started in his own left-back position yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, that, that justifies Berbatov's price for me. And uh, seeing that, basically that time when he ran up to Fergie on the touchline and hugged him, that, that justified uh, Van Persie's price tag. Well, yeah, quite. I mean, fine. Uh, people made the same argument about Michael Owen, didn't they? He spent three years 
uh, you know, stealing Manchester United's money, but he scored that 96th minute winner against Manchester City and all that. So, uh, Anderson, of course, the king of all this, one penalty in Moscow. Yeah, that's and right. One, one really good performance against Arsenal. Eight seasons of robbery. <laughs> wow. He's yeah. still a Manchester United player. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, if it was a horse, you'd have shot him and sent him to the glue factory. So, yeah. It, I mean, he's Anderson, so you could shoot him and send him to the glue factory. But yeah, Robin van Persie's catching up. The, the frustrating thing is that you're you're looking for an injury, you're looking for a reason why he's been so poor for so long, and you're not sure there is one, right? Is he just? Did he just go old overnight? Did he party so hard after that twentieth title that he burned out overnight? I'm not sure what it is, but I tell you what, it's it's really not good and. And a lot of people were frustrated that James Wilson hadn't come on much earlier for Robin van Persie. Well, on form, Wilson's got to start next week against Hull, hasn't he? I think so. Um, I, I was also frustrated that Herrera or Mata didn't come on for van Persie yeah. and switch up the shape. Because what is, why is Herrera on the getting loaned out to Cardiff and Crystal Palace career trajectory? I, I don't understand what's going on. There's loads of talk about him going really soon as well, which seems staggering to me because apart from the game against West Brom when he was clearly injured he's not had a bad game for United has he? No he was very good until the injury and um, you know look he's not going to be the next Zinedine Zidane but he's a, he's a very effective player he's busy he's an all-rounder he's aggressive he passes the ball very neatly uh, he seems like a very good player for United potentially and uh, I'd like to see him stay in the squad. So I'd be really surprised if United try and ship him out after only six months at the club. Uh, I'm not quite sure what's going on. Uh, you know, maybe uh, he insulted Van Hal's mother or something. Um, may- maybe it's just as simple as he got injured. Fellaini's come in, had a few good games, and he can't get back into the side. I-, I think that's what it is. And I think today it was very tactical. And if you think about the games that he's missed, Chelsea, City, Arsenal, these are all the games where you can see the logic where Van Gaal goes, I want a big lad in there to kick him about the place a bit. Jack Wilshere probably should have been sent off for trying to headbutt Maran Fellaini's chin. A, a very amusingly mismatched size yeah. battle there. Yeah, yeah, he'd have been better doing a Zidane, wouldn't he, and headbutting his chest. Yes, it was, it was, it was, I mean, Fellaini just li- looked a little amused. Uh, what's going on here? Yeah, He's like, no, that's not what you do. And he just points to his elbow and goes, look, this is what you use. Uh, well, quite, yeah. Fellaini, as you say, 95% elbow, 5% hair. But yeah, I mean, a hundred percent awesome performance. Well, maybe not hundred percent, eighty percent. Let's give him. There were a ton of weird positives to take from that game, where we were, as you say, whatever the level below Omni Shambles is in the first half. And uh, you know, this is not the other football teams cast, as we often say. But what on earth is going on at Arsenal? Because how they didn't win that game. Or, or at least, like, go ahead in the first half and make things difficult for her. Well, quite, yeah. So, look, you can feel some sympathy for Wenger because he's had some injuries in defence. You, know, <laughs> you know, fine. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, look what's happened at Old Trafford, mate. Um, so, yes, of course you can. And uh, it doesn't look good, that back four. But he spent a ton of money on Sanchez and Welbeck this summer after spending a ton of money last summer. So the old excuse about uh, Arsenal paying for their stadium and and not spending doesn't ring true anymore. So 10 years, one trophy, it's not a very good record, isn't it? And, you know, you begin to think that, um, you know, with Arsenal now wealthy, Wenger should be pulling together a title-challenging side. They're absolutely nowhere near it. I mean, they will probably 
uh, pull off a miracle fourth place spot. I don't know. They'll have to win twenty seven nil on the final day, and and uh, the uh, the the opposition will come down with a bowler or something. But you know, it always happens. But it's it's looking very like Wenger's past his sell by date, and he should probably go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that that definitely seems to be the case. I thought Oxlade Chamberlain was a pretty bright spark for them for a lot of that first half, and at some point he just ran out of steam slash gave up because every time he put the ball into the middle, someone did something terrible with it. Not that often was it Danny Welbeck, as my fully paid up membership of the Danny Welbeck Apologist Society requires me to say. But yeah, they, they would just laugh at them. I mean, you cannot blame their that loss on their lack of a back four either, because they their front, whatever the number is, seven, should have... Definitely done well on those front six, isn't it? Because it's a goalkeeper. Yeah, well, well done. Arsenal played 12 players today. Yeah, good, good. Good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah bad yeah. maths. Bad maths. But anyway, the rest of their lads should have done more than they did. A lot of it was actually also down to United. Like United, first of all, in the first half, De Gea was really good. And in the second half, last ditch challenge after last ditch challenge. Really, really, really good stuff, that aspect of it. And, you know, what do you think? Are you, are you, are you leaning towards turning point in the season or just Arsenal are so bad we kind of paper over the cracks a bit? Look, I don't think United are going to suddenly turn around and string 10 victories together. I'd be really surprised. This, this is a United side that's not quite functioning at the moment. And I don't think it helps that there's a new tactical system every single week. I mean, Van Hal said it himself, and then he turns out a new tactical system. So there's uh, <laughs> there's uh, being opportunistic and changing your tactics for the game, and that's fine. He, he's, uh, he's scored a victory today, so all praise, and it's impossible to criticise him for it. But uh, United will play a different system next week at home to help, for sure. And it's almost every week changing the system. This season, there's three, four... One two. There's there's four three three. There's four four two. There's a four four two diamond. There's four two three one. There's there's you know one two three six nine seven. It's like an episode of Sesame Street, and it can't seriously be like this for the rest of the season. And expect there not to be inconsistency. So, uh, if United really want to to uh, make sure that fourth or better is definitely where it is at the end of the season. I think there's going to have to be some consistency. The mitigation, of course, is uh, that ton of injuries. Another one today with Luke Shaw, as you mentioned. It doesn't help. Um, that's 40. I- I'm sure Gary Neville stole that from uh, United Rant since I'd counted it up. I- I'm sure. Must have done. Uh, who else <laughs> counted? But um, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, he's not helped by that, but he's playing a different system every week, you know, and I think that's a different thing from different personnel every week. Yeah, and there's lots of people saying, so what's Van Gaal's philosophy? And I think it's pretty clear that flexibility is a part of his philosophy. You know, this is a a philosophy isn't, I'm not saying you're saying this, obviously, uh, but a philosophy is not a formation. Uh, A philosophy is an overarching approach to football. And I do agree that it's hard to pin down exactly what that is, but I'm not ready to start calling Van Gaal a charlatan yet, given his trophy cabinet, you know. It's it's definitely that the bedding in process is complicated for him. Did you see his reaction? There was a little interview um, that he did with MUTV this week and he was asked about his nomination for coach of the year and he said, this is incredible, given my results of Manchester United, (laughs) that I should be nominated for coach of the year. So he's quite self-depreciating about it. Um, And... You know, I was thinking about this a lot during the first half when it was so abysmal and it's like, why why don't I feel about Van Gaal 
when it's just going so terribly the way I felt about Moyes last season. And it remains because there appears to be hope. There appears to be some sort of a... Even the fact that he keeps changing the system, which isn't working at it's that thing of like at least he's tr- at least he's got an open mind to the way that football can work you know anyway yeah he yep. needs but he needs to settle on a fundamental system right it's on faith still i mean at this point last year of course Moyes had more points than van Hal. completely irrelevant uh, i know completely irrelevant so united higher in the table than than united were at this time last season but it's not been a great start to the season let's uh, let's not pretend otherwise there is no consistency from the team. The defence has gone from shambles to secure to shambles again. The attack has gone from blistering to impotent to blistering again. I mean, so I don't know how long it takes to build a side, but it's taking Van Hull some time. And there are managers who've certainly gone from less to more in a, a quicker period of time. So he's famous for giving his players an awful lot of information. It's taking the players a little bit of time. And, we, you know, we're still believing in him based on that record. Of course, it's a it's a record that reads uh, zero trophies since he uh, went from Dutch philosophical tactician, uh, wouldn't bend away from 4-3-3, to uh, playing whatever's going to win uh, Mourinho-esque the next day. This is not true because, actually, he switched his system uh, at AZ. He went to a four four two. Switched his system again at Bayern Munich. Played a four two three one. Was criticised for not being flexible enough there in terms of like moving away from the four three three. So ah yes, but but they've all true. been attacking sides until last summer. Yeah, they have. And actually, United have been uh, were attacking for a lot of this season too. They just I, and I I think you can definitely read it that he's had a defensive injury crisis and focused on tightening up the system because he hasn't got the personnel to rely on to play attacking football in terms of the defensive side of things because what you need is outstanding individuals when you do that and he hasn't had that so he's tightened up the system. So look, we're getting towards halfway through the season. Not quite. What is it, 12 games in? Something like that? 12 games exactly, yeah. There you go. So uh, we've got six until Christmas and um, that's a good point to... uh, Start asking where United are going. Of course, he needs some players back. He needs players not get injured again. You know, luckily, uh, Carrick Di Maria uh, and David De Gea came through the international break with minor knocks, but nothing too serious. It looks like Daily Blint's out for a few weeks. At least it's at least it's weeks, not months. What are we sure? I, I've heard ten days, ten weeks, and ten months. So what what Van Gaal said was, I can't say it'll be three or four weeks. I can't even say it'll be ten or twelve weeks. I can say it won't be six months. So I don't think that sounds like a few weeks. I think that sounds like you know three months, four months, sort of thing. Yeah, you're just speculating like everyone else. So. I, I am. I'm, uh, but but he has a scan next week, so the MRI is done, and then we'll uh, we'll have a much better idea. Until then, he's he's got a brace on his knee, and he's just sitting there looking pretty, but as mobile as well. Um, I'd say. Oh, you and your daily blint hate unacceptable. Shouldn't have cracked onto my missus, <laughs> um, should he? No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Talking of extremely pretty injured United footballers, Falcao has a new injury. No, it's the old injury. No, I don't know what I'm talking about. Manchester United Twitter account having an absolute nightmare during Van Gaal's press conference when they actually did tweet that Daily Blimp would be out for six months when Van Gaal had said that he wouldn't because they misheard him. And then they, they said that Falcao has a new injury. But what they meant was it's not his old injury. They're so 
like deep in the spin of not spinning that he's got a knee problem that they're like calling it a new injury even though it's the same calf injury that he's been out with for quite some time but uh, I know yeah sack the intern uh, someone screwed up big time there but uh, yes United desperate to uh, keep saying it's not a knee injury it's really really odd this one I suppose they don't want to look like fools since they're spending what is it 16 million pounds on this one year loan doesn't look like United anywhere close to uh, turning that into a permanent signing just yet, does it? And uh, no surprise, really, since he's played, what, five, six games? Not not many, anyway. He's got the one goal and we're coming up to Christmas at, and, and it looks like he's out until early December anyway. So at some point, you'll uh, ask the question whether uh, Falcao's worth it. Uh, of course, a few more months and get him fit and then we can really make a judgment. When he is fit... He's definitely in the side of ahead of Van Persie, though. I mean, he's definitely in the side ahead of all the other footballers. <laughs> That's the thing about Falcao. I was doing a, an article for Bleacher Report this week about him, which led me to look back on his last couple of seasons. And, you know, before that knee injury, like, there's no way we'd have got him if he hadn't got that knee injury, because he'd have gone to the World Cup, scored hatfuls, and Madrid would have bought him as a World Cup superstar. Like, that is the only reason he's ended up with us, I'm... I'm confident of that because the season before last he was just I mean he's jaw-dropping how good Valcao is when he's on on form so that's exciting to think that that is still to come this season and and there's every chance it is I think yeah it's just it'll be later in the season rather than earlier so the whole game and we'll do a preview later but just before we get into that you'd start Wilson right um it's hard to make the argument for Van Persie playing right I mean I wonder whether in his newly found purple patch, Wayne Rooney ought not to play at number nine. And we can bring Herrera back into the side. I wonder whether that might create some fluidity in the attack. But it really depends on the system, of course. You know, Wilson loved him at reserve level. His pace, his kind of maturity in terms of how he plays the game. I think you saw some of that late in the game as well. You know, he plays the right pass at the right time as well as uh, having great pace and a great finisher. Who knows whether he's really ready to to be United's main striker, I don't know. But Van Persie, in this form, I'm not sure it's worth playing him. No, I mean, absolutely. You know, the game he's just had, that's the worst game he's ever had. That might be the worst game of his entire career. If you look at, I mean, statistically, I would be willing to bet any amount of money if I was a gambling person that that is the worst game of his career because he did absolutely nothing of note all the way through the game and he can't have had too many games where he's received the ball five times and successfully completed two out of his three attempted passes can he? Uh, No I mean uh, talk about peripheral you might even be better off with 10 men bit more space playing. Yeah, uh, lots of interesting comments from Van Gaal about Di Maria and his lack of, and the lack of space he's had to play in. He had plenty of space to run into in that game and certainly made some good use of it, didn't he? Yep, he certainly did. Just the uh, the one miss where he chipped it wide and you'd think he'd have more confidence, actually. That was a, a player that didn't look super confident at that instant. So I think he's good enough to go around the keeper at that point, especially since it was the... Yeah the newly uh, substituted keeper, wasn't it? But, uh, you know, uh, it was a better performance from Di Maria than we'd seen in the last three matches, at least. So let's hope there's more of that. He uh, he ought to get plenty of opportunities against Hull, which is coming up next weekend. Yeah, and before we get into a preview of that, we did a rank cast competition last week, but I think probably slightly influenced by Ed's entirely incorrect speculation, we had not a single right answer and this is like statistically improbable, but nobody got either the top 
or bottom tipper. So we're going to roll the contest over for another week, give you another chance to win. All the entries are scrapped, so you can enter again if you want to. Use the hashtag RankCast and at me, at UTDRankCast on Twitter, or send us an email to cast at unitedrank.co.uk to win a meal for two plus fizz at a new restaurant in Chorlton called The Cellar Key. Uh, Plenty of entries, just no correct ones, so you have another go. The question is... On a hundred, this is this is the, the proprietor of the seller key set this question. I would have no inside information on this subject. But on a hundred pound bill, out of the time he's worked as a waiter, he's served plenty of people connected to United. And out of a hundred pound bill, who was the highest tipper tipping fifty quid, and who was the lowest tipper tipping five quid uh, on a bill of a hundred pounds? And that's out of you've got a pick from Van Persie, Evra, David Gill. I called him David Gill last week. This, I did that last week as well. David, that's because David De Gea. David, David Gill. <laughs> David Gill. R- really, l- l- let's get this right. David Gill. Yeah, uh, Wayne Rooney. And I can't remember the other one, so you know it wasn't them. So out of those four, who tipped the most and who tipped the least? And e- Edward's bold proclamation that Patrice Evera had tipped the most turned out not to be correct. Get your answer in before the kickoff of the whole game. And on the subject of you, the lovely listener, we're going to do some Rankcast questions now. Uh, at DG Ched says, can it be feature length? Hashtag Rankcast. This was because I put out the call for questions immediately at full time in the Arsenal game, leading to much ridiculous hilarity. At Paul Gunning 1 saying, is Arsene Wenger the best manager we've ever had? Uh, well, he's got a cracking record. <laughs> Yes, we get a lot of wins. That's uh, I can't remember what the stats are, but that's another three points. I think we're we're up twenty three five in the last eleven. Well, it's a, it's an interesting observation, isn't it? So post Fergie's retirement, every and their dog thinks they can beat United, and most of them have, except for Arsenal. Who still have an inferiority complex. Interesting. Um, at John Blaze says, Rooney, is he good again? And we talked a bit about Rooney during the game. He had a very good game for England. Two. Very good games. And two, yeah, two, uh, two very good games for England and a very good game for United. And, and lovely to see Wayne Rooney hit, his, hit some form because this is what he does, right? He gets into form and then plays well for a bit. That's very true, yeah. Uh, he has four goals for United this season. So, you know, let's, let's tone it down a bit, lads. Come on. <laughs> on the other hand, he has 500 absolute shellackings off the rank cast. So we should probably give him some credit where it's due. He's been very good for three games. I will say that. Absolutely. At Eddie Rose, 13 says can we be sure it is an RVP who keeps injuring Falcao uh, might be it's the only way he's getting in the side who knows uh, is this a Tonya Harding moment <laughs> at, at Big Shimmery Wall says who's the better lucky charm Paddy McNair or Fabian Bartes's head I think it's Paddy McNair isn't it maybe he's just a good player ah yes not a question says at Sean KDLA but ha 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 football yeah I could not agree more at Ritesh underscore R underscore Singh saying uh, this had to be the funnier than the 8-2. Do you agree? I wonder whether it's just that it's fresher in our minds because that 8-2 was hilarious. It really was. Yeah. I mean, this was amusing, but I don't think it's as amusing as that. What is amusing, though, it's my Twitter timeline at the moment. So at one point uh, during the match, I said, if United win this, me. It was an exclamation. <laughs> Not a request. Thank you, people. <laughs> um, at Gareth Bale 22 says, you find De Gea in your kitchen, in his boxes, eating your, the last of your cornflakes. Do you let him stay? Why wouldn't I? Like, just have a lovely chat with him. Not them, my crunchy nuts. And that's not related to the last item. <laughs> 
That's very good. Very good. Well done. At Maz underscore man underscore United saying, am I allowed to be optimistic now? I, I actually think that is a genuinely interesting question. Um, Boo, damn it, this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe. I have to say there was a period 20 minutes into that game where I was very, very short on optimism. Having done all the, like, looking at all the stats and stuff about the Arsenal game and seeing Arsenal's performances against Swansea and Anderlecht, I've spent all week thinking... I think even though we're completely rubbish, Arsenal are more rubbish than us. And in the end, that did turn out to be the case because we sort of switched off our rubbishness a bit in the second half. There's a take on the rest of this season that looks good. Falcao comes back, starts firing. We drop Van Persie, Herrera comes back into the side. We start to look more fluid again. Mata maybe plays and finds some form. You know, all those things. There's another one that says when Falcao gets fit, his leg drops off. I mean, I mean, I don't mean an injury. I mean, actually falls off. Um, there you go. I'm predicting that. Andy Yax says, has any Premier League team in history had their best defensive performance from a fifth choice winger? <laughs> well, yeah. No, it's, a, it's an interesting one. Yeah. Uh, a great quote from Lou Van Gaal after the game. Uh, I'm absolutely convinced that I made the right decision in picking the 3-5-2. I think it's a quality decision by me. May even have been a quality decision to bring Ashley Young on at left wing back. <laughs> I love Van Gaal so much. At Jack Hawkins 23 says, I don't even know what to ask. I'm so happy. Should McNair on Blackett retain their places over a fit Jones and Evans? Very difficult for Jones and Evans. I, uh, You know, I don't see why you don't. I- it's a hypothetical because Jones and Evans are never fit. <laughs> Earlier in the season when McNair played well, I thought, well, that's great. We give him, give him that game and he can go off and do some more work and then come back, you know, in a few years. But... Is it not fair to say Paddy McNair's been our best defender this season? Well, was he played four or five games? Uh, maybe not even that many. I mean, he, he's been very, very good every time. Look, I'd like to see those guys play in a, in a system that's the same every week, just so yes. it's easier on them. I think switching between a four and a three at the back all the time is not helpful for them. Definitely not helpful. And switching in and out of the side all the time is not helpful either. So neither has actually been injured, Blackett and... McNair but they've been dropping in and out of the side all the time so I don't think that's too helpful for them either pick him or don't pick him but Blackett not so great in the first half regained some composure in the second half today McNair has been consistently excellent and I tell you what now I watch a fair bit of academy and reserve football not everything there are people who are definitely more obsessed than me but I'm not sure I could have picked those two out as definite United quality you can say that now they definitely have the potential that's for sure. And, and you know, this is why Van Gaal over Moyes every day and twice on Sunday, because Moyes would not have done that. David Moyes, who has his first Real Sociedad uh, game this weekend, uh, said they'll try and win. <laughs> good lads, good lads. I'm, I'm not kidding either, you really did. <laughs> yep, uh, bless him. Uh, at ADZ Button says, are you glad that Welbeck didn't score against us and can you please sing the McNair song? Yes and yes. Uh, this was from MUTV, so I can't claim credit for it, but I quite like the idea of a chant that goes, he's coming up, he's coming up, he's coming up, McNair. Sort of works. Sort of works. Ed doesn't agree that it works. You can tell by his eerie silence. Yeah, look, look, this this isn't the music cast, all right? No, we've had enough of that. We're moving on to football now. I mean, seriously, though, like, 
We get far less comments after the show about the content that we discuss football-wise and far more about the play-out track. Uh, We're playing the Teletubbies theme tune every <laughs> single week from now on. Massive shout-out to at Darren Richmond who bought the Taylor Swift album, I'm pretty sure because of us. You know, I, did you really need to broadcast that to the world, Paul? I mean, really, it's probably his guilty pleasure. Let him enjoy it. Don't tell everyone. All right, yeah, sorry. Um, at J McCowan Esquire. Mind you, I know Miss Rant doesn't listen to this, so I can tell you she's got a very nice Christmas present. Has she? What is it? She has. She has. Uh, she will be going to see Miss Swift, given that she's a big fan, um, in uh, in Londinium next summer. How exciting. Are you going to go with her? Mm, well, I'm not sure about that. It's not really <laughs> my bag. Maybe. maybe. Should, should we? That would be an amazing Rantcast question prize. <laughs> Take Ed's wife to Taylor Swift concert. Nice. <laughs> yeah. At Tony Kears says, when do we get our team back? This is the big question that we don't know the answer to. But I, I feel like maybe one day is my current answer. At Alibab77, last last Twitter question of the week says, each of you come up with 10 rhymes for McNair, but not Dare, Mare, Care and Ballyclare, which drew to mind for me the Lauren Hill thing that goes, au contraire, mon frere, don't you even go there. Me without a mic is like a beat without a snare, which isn't quite 10, but... I think that'll do, won't it? Yeah. So, um, let's preview the whole game. Bruce is coming to town. Woohoo! Another man who likes a 352 and a 442 <laughs> and a 433 and a 481 or whatever it'll be. Uh, it, yes, Bruce is coming to town. They, they are playing on Sunday, aren't they, Hull? So, uh, we don't know their weekend result, but they did lose at Burnley last weekend. So, <laughs> so they are the worst team in human history. Well, not quite, but you know. Near enough to it. So, uh, interesting hole. I mean, you know, they are not going to go down this season. Bruce has them as a very organised side, as always. Uh, they do play with different systems. They've mostly been playing three at the back for the last two years or so now. Uh, and it works for them, you know. And uh, uh, they, um, yeah, no, the old flame-haired United player, Paul McShane, still doing it for Hull in there. And, and they've got a combative midfield, Livermore and Huddleston, who... You give them a platform and, and they they go out and get some results. Sort of. Because sort all, of that, all that is true in Except theory. At Burnley. Yeah. Actually, this season, Hull have been, have really underperformed to expectation, I think. They, they, everyone, but everyone at the end of the transfer window was saying, oh, you know, who's had a really good transfer window? Steve Bruce and Hull. Pretty sure I may have said exactly that on this very podcast. But they've lost to Villa this season. They've lost to Burnley. They lost to West Brom. That's not quite quite so bad. They're, they're, uh, they're one loss away from the relegation zone, of course, you know, or in fact, bottom. Well, they're one point away from it, yeah. Yeah, I think they have enough to stay up. I'd be I, really I agree. surprised if they go down. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would also be very surprised if they go down. But they are, they're definitely struggling. And anything less than three points against them is genuinely disastrous at this point in the season. Especially we've finally dragged some momentum into the side, kicking and screaming. Because uh, if we beat them, that'll be nine points from nine. And that that's really really significant given how few points everyone's got in the Premier League so far yeah it's an interesting one uh, Chelsea is sucking up 95% of the points the entire points they're like some dark mass in the universe you know sucking all the light out of the Premier League so yeah no one has any points apart from Chelsea so United in fact are at what only only nine points off the relegation zone 
So, uh, yeah, still could go wrong, lads. <laughs> yeah, I reckon we're we're, we're shooing to get to forty. So, I guess there's next to no way we're going to be playing three at the back against Hull, whoever's fit or not. It will be another system. No, I mean, Hull will play one up front, I'm sure, or, or something that looks like one up front. I mean, they they do play three at the back, so it's a three-five-two normally. Um, they'll they'll uh, I'm sure split the strikers. Uh, and, you know, it could be three defenders marking one player there, which doesn't make a lot of sense. So I'm sure they go to four United, and, and we'll see what formation within the four it is. I, I would presume a lot of attacking players. If Herrera doesn't get back for this one, we start to ask really, really serious questions, I think, assuming he's not injured. It'll be interesting to see if we get any players back from injury. It doesn't seem like anyone is just on the verge of injury. I'm going to this game, so I was desperately hoping Falcao would be back because uh, watching him is such a joy. No, it, does, it doesn't look like... Um, well, Raphael's the closest, I think, and Falcao is, is starting training on Monday, but... Uh, he won't be ready then. Uh, Phil Jones and Johnny Evans still not ready. Yeah, absolutely. And so we're going to have a very similar bunch of players to pick from. But as you say, it's probably going to be a, a more attacking slant. I, I'm going to guess a starting eleven. I reckon. Let's so assume Raphael's back. We go Dave, Raphael, Smalling and McNair. Ooh, Blackett at left back, maybe. That's not impossible, is it? Although Van Gaal hasn't actually played Blackett at left-back yet this season. No, he hasn't. He likes the left foot, right foot. So it might well be Smalling and Blackett. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Ashley Young at left-back. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Get in, Ash. Um, Rhys James fit now? I don't know. I've no he idea. He might be. Uh, he, again, hasn't played at left-back, only in the only in the three five two system. Yeah, interesting choice. Yeah, Blackett certainly can play left-back. He's... Uh, perfectly comfortable there and then I would really like to see the diamond of Carrick holding Dimeria on one side Herrera on the other side and Mutter ahead of them and Wilson and Rooney up front that sounds like a winning selection to me uh, yeah very good I mean I'd throw a load of attacking players in there and, and just expect United to take the game to Hull very different game from the one in North London United have got Hull then Stoke, um, but then there's some games coming up after that that's interesting, away at Southampton and home to Liverpool, so you know, we could pick up some massive momentum two victories in the next week, that's there'd be five on the spin going into that game against Southampton, who of course still second as we speak, so it's, um, you know, massive game that one. Yeah, absolutely, but like as ridiculous as it sounds, it'll be nice to have got a bunch of points in the bank so we don't have to beat Southampton <laughs> <laughs> times have changed times have changed oh, times have changed uh, one place where times haven't changed is Wigan mm. uh, I don't particularly want to get into this but I think we should we said on the podcast when the Malky Mackay thing happened I think you said he's going to be out of football for a long time and I said I don't think he's going to be out of football for a long time because football's full of scumbags tragically this is one where I really deeply wish I had not been correct yeah football is lost I have to say I uh... Dave Whelan is 77 years old and I don't care one iota if he's 77 years old because actually if you're 77 that means you have some understanding of what happened to Jewish people in Europe because of the attitude that uh, they somehow are more hungry for money than other people so Dave Whelan is a disgrace to humanity let alone football at this point yep uh, anti-semite and uh, racist uh, of course they're the same thing but you know let's just hit him with both of them uh, Malky Mackay is a racist, a sexist and a homophobe. So ni- nice full collection of isms going on here. Amazing uh, defence of Mackay's appointment uh, opinion piece by a, a writer called Alison Rudd in The Times. 
which basically said, I reckon Mackay must be all right because Dave Whelan's looked him in the eye and said he's all right. And about four hours later, Dave Whelan gave an interview to The Guardian where he said, no Englishman, I'm really sorry for the use of this language, by the way. This is, this is a, a, in fact, no, I'm not even going to say what he said because words that don't need sharing. It's Guardian policy here, right? You know, you oh, but can... I don't, I just don't want to repeat the word because nobody's ears need to be polluted by this kind of racial language. But, uh, uh, he, he he used a derogatory term for Chinese people and said, uh, find an Englishman alive that's never called a Chinese person that and I'll find you a liar or something. And yeah. and, and said yeah. Jews are shrewd people and do chase money a bit more than everyone else. And then he said, I'm sorry if I offended anyone. I've got hundreds and hundreds of Jewish friends and loads of people went, see, it's fine. Yeah, and uh, at the same time, the Wigan FC site had a picture of Dave Whelan hugging Seinfeld. That's that's what it was, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's got his excuses in from Seth Blatter there because Seth, Seth loves black people. Yeah, absolutely. So super, super depressing and actually something we should be making a fuss about, frankly. Malky Mackay's appointment. Well, look, we should. And look, there's a lot wrong with football and we've had a confluence of, of sort of three events haven't we? You know, Ched Evans training at Sheffield United and Sheffield United's reaction to that. And the two slightly different things, uh, the Malcolm Mackay, Dave Whelan uh, and the England band, the reasonable England band. Oh, jeez, I forgot all about that. Yeah, uh, in Scotland. So, you know, it, it might as well cover them all off. You know, Ched, Ched Evans served his sentence, so most other people are allowed to get a job. The problem is, isn't it, that he's a hero and an icon uh, and no one at Sheffield United, including all of the patrons and all of the fans, wanted him there. And Sheffield United's reaction is a really interesting bit, uh, calling it mob justice. No, no, it was actual justice. And the fans didn't want him there. So, you know, very odd reaction from that club there. Mm. And I think a lot of credit goes to those patrons, so Charlie Webster and Jessica Ennis-Hill who uh, stood up and said, I'm not having this, and uh, forced Sheffield United into reaction. Then there we got Dave Whelan, Malky Mackay. I hope that Whelan and Mackay are charged by the FA. It's the only sensible, logical thing to do. I mean, smoking gun or what, right? So they should get the same kind of punishment as other racists do. And then the England band singing um, anti-IRA songs, which, you know, in this context at Celtic Park... Uh, equate to anti-Catholic songs, don't they? Or anti-Irish or both. Yeah, I mean, the England band playing along with No Surrender to the IRA in... just I mean, I, I don't know. I don't credit the England band with much intelligence because they're the England band. So, you know, that is a pretty terrible thing that's happened to football. Incidentally, they made their debut in late 1996... At which point was probably the recent high point of England's international success. And there's been a sort of downward spiral ever since. So, yeah, uh, the England bad are responsible for everything that's wrong with English football. But no, I mean, it's just it's just stupid. And just the fact that England, loads of England fans were singing No Surrender to the IRA. It's like that war was over a long time ago. And anyway, what the hell? This is football, you stupid, stupid idiots. But anyway. Yeah. Good stuff. It's, yeah. So, Wait, should, we, should we talk about Taylor Swift again? Much nicer now. <laughs> I prefer that, to be honest. I feel like at some points covering football, you do think, at what point do I just have to say, 
I dislike everything about this so much, I'm just going to stop covering it. And since I haven't reached that point yet, I've at least got to make the moral deal with myself of like, you at least got to be a voice that tries to stand up for what you believe. I mean, people can believe different things and that's totally fine, but I've got to stand up for what I believe, right? I've got to say, I think that Wigan appointing Malky Mackay is truly disgusting. Like, I... I don't, I'm not saying that in an exaggerated way. I'm saying I literally felt sick when I heard about it. I'm not, that's, that's no exaggeration. My stomach turned and I thought I was going to be sick, you know, and people that think other than that, people that think differently, people that try to strive towards believing in equality, you've got to speak up for it, right? Otherwise, what's the point? No, absolutely. Um, I think uh, football is deeply lost until we're able to, uh, as a community, sort this out, right? And, and understand, and there's a hell of a lot of people defending Malky Mackay uh, and and Dave Whelan mm. and, and Ched, Ched Evans, Evans and, and Dave and, Whelan, yeah, and, all of it. You know, jeez, you know. um, uh, I despise uh, modern football's obsession with finance and money. Uh, I despise that it's now a product, uh, not entertainment. I despise that I am a customer to be exploited, not a fan. I don't like ninety percent of the people involved in football. Uh, and the personalities and the attitudes um and the thing that saves it for me is is the game on the pitch which sometimes brings up beautiful moments like the one this afternoon <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah because ain't no comedy script right talk about seinfeld not even seinfeld could have scripted a more perfect fast than that one brilliant stuff yeah um chet evans well uh, he's not going to get a game in football for a while um there you go i've just got him a job maybe he needs to turn to anti-semitism <laughs> he'd probably get himself a job yeah so on that super depressing note let's um hope for some better cheer and some enjoyable football because football is supposed to be a fun distraction from real life that's supposed to be what football's for so uh, let's hope for some fun distraction from real life some magic from angel de maria a lovely performance from juan mata wayne rooney continuing his perf- purple patch paddy mcnair absolutely towering in defense and a five nil win for united against the tigers i'd like to see all of that uh, uh arsene wenger this evening uh, head in hands uh, except at his press conference where he said that it was the uh, the game with the most one-way traffic he'd ever experienced uh, in a United Arsenal fixture. No, mate, it was the second most one-way traffic. The most one-way traffic was the 2005 FA Cup final. That sweet revenge. <laughs> exactly. I was going to say, did you miss the 2005 FA Cup then, Arsene? So uh, I, I'm not actually going to predict a 3-0 win. I think we're going to beat Hull 2-0, a uh, 5-0 win. I mean, I'm not going to predict. I think we're going to beat Hull 2-0 because I can't quite see it all clicking uh, in dramatic fashion, but I do think we'll win. Yeah, I think there's a goal for Hull in there somewhere, so I'm going to predict a 3-1 victory for United. Lovely. And in the meantime, uh, if you want to get hold of me and Ed before we record a podcast, after that, you can get us at UTD Rampcast for me on Twitter at United Rant for Ed Facebook.com slash United Rant United Rant.co.uk and you can read my stuff on the Bleacher Report if you want to leave us a review on iTunes that's really helpful to us and this is a donationware show so we don't run any ads but if you want to pay us for our time it's UnitedRant.co.uk slash donate it's totally optional obviously and we'll keep doing it whether you do or not so thank you very much for listening and until next week it's coming up it's coming up 